Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Thank you for listening to the Wrestling with Fatherhood podcast. I'm glad that you're here. Wrestling with Fatherhood is all about equipping dads to discover their strengths, understand their value, discover their goals, and live out their dreams to become their children's best and biggest heroes. Today, I'm pleased to introduce Dow Tippett. Dow, thank you for joining us. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. So for anyone who doesn't know you, Dow, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. So I'm a speaker, author, coach, but um, I spent the last 30 years up until April as a pastor. So I've been in ministry most of my life. Uh, I am married to my wife of 20 years. We have four daughters. We have a 17-year-old senior, a freshman in high school, and then we have twins that just started middle school who were our attempt at a boy, and I got two <laughs> more girls. That's, that's God's goodness in my life. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Anyone who says that God doesn't have a sense of humor, right, right there you go. <laughs> yeah. So you said you're, you're a coach, you're, you're, you're a preacher. So tell the, the folks a little bit about what you're doing and what your goals are with your, with your business. Yeah, so um, I've been working, again, 30 years in ministry. Now I'm, I'm breaking out, and what I really want to do is I want to help uh, Christian leaders, and um, particularly men, but I'm not opposed to women. I'm just not one, so I understand men better. <laughs> um, but I want to help Christian leaders become everything God intends them to be, uh, whether they're in business, whether they're just husbands and fathers, uh, whether they're actually leading in the church in ministry or they're just elders in their church, deacons in their church. I just want to help Christian leaders become all they're meant to be. And so I've been working to build that. And I have developed a series called Seven Daily Choices, written a book that's coming out uh, the first of November uh, called Seven Daily Choices. And I've developed a series of leadership trainings and marriage trainings and uh, then even some men's, just specific to men's trainings around those choices and how to develop them in your life. Uh, we're also working on a, mer- a parenting conference. Hopefully we're gonna br- do our first one this fall around the seven daily choices and uh, how they change relationships. So I'm teaching those things. It's about culture, it's about who we are. Understanding that as a leader, you're not just a businessman. You're not just a church guy. You're not just a father. You're all those things. And life is measured in relationships. So that's what I'm trying to teach people and help people understand. And uh, I'm working to build that business now. Wow. Absolutely love what you're doing. Training leaders to change the world. That, that, that is such a massive and a huge mission, especially in today's society. Yeah. So that leads to the question, what makes somebody a great leader? So, again, I talk about seven daily choices. And um, like I just said, life is measured in relationship and leadership is the same. If I want influence over people, then I've got to learn how to lead well through relationship. And what I've discovered is there are seven daily choices. The bedrock of all those, and I'm just going to jump straight to it, 
is submission. So what makes a great leader is the willingness to surrender yourself, your agendas, your dreams, your desires, your passions for the sake of those you want to have influence over, for the, the sake of those you want to uh, lead and grow and have an impact on their lives. Wow, that is awesome. So what about your own family? What does it take to be a great leader to your own family, to your wife, to your children? Well, I have to make the same seven daily choices as everybody else. And um, I call them daily choices because every day you got to get up and you got to make them again. And it's not easy to do. Um, it's very easy for us to get caught in our own world. And so uh, with my family, with my wife in particular, it's about remembering that she comes first. It's about understanding what her needs are, what her desires are, um, who she is in Christ and who she's been made to be so that I can help her get where God intends her to go. Um, and then with my children, it's not much different. Um, the difference being with your children, you're trying to guide them as they discover themselves. Uh, and so I work hard to, I'm working hard. I shouldn't say I work. I'm working hard to become a man and a father who encourages my children's strengths as opposed to um, taking apart their their brokenness because um, none of us are perfect so I spent a lot of time learning uh, I got I've got a lot of brotherhood around me guys to help me and then I in teaching others if you really want to be challenged in your marriage or your parenting teach other people how to do it you'll be challenged all the time <laughs> Definitely. I love this idea of intentionality mm -hmm. where you have to be intentional. And I love the way you worded it. Seven daily choices on how you love your wife better, on how you love your children better. And I completely agree. It's not something to where we can wake up one morning and we're just perfect at it. It's something we have to work for. It's something we have to strive for. It's something we have to daily, especially as men, daily make a decision, hey, today I'm going to love my wife better and more than what I did yesterday. Yes. I'm going to love my children better and more and continue to encourage them and encourage them better. Absolutely love that. It, it, it's that daily reminder, that intentionality. Just love what you were saying right there. Mm -hmm. So what steps do you personally take to develop yourself into the type of person that can lead others? So there, there are three things in particular that I focus on. The first is learning. Um, I listen to about eight hours of leadership podcasting every week. I, I listen to, um, I do a lot of audible, um, I wish I read more. I like to read. I like books, but I'm busy. I'm running. Audible allows me to learn from books and from authors. And at, I'm an auditory learner, so I learn better by listening anyways. Um, but I listen to a lot of books. I listen to a ton of books, which is, which is a little bit hypocritical because I have not released <laughs> any audio versions of my own book. However, I just finished a recording of the audio, Audible for my first book and hope to release it in the next few weeks. And I will have an audible version for the new book when it releases at the end of October. So I'm working on that. I just haven't got it all done. Um, but I, I listen more than to a ton of books. I listen, I learn all the time. I do attend, you know, conferences, those kinds of things. I think those are great. Um, but events, events only have so much value. Whereas I'm getting a constant feed. Then the second thing I mentioned, brotherhood. Um, I am surrounded 
by some great men in my life. Um, I have, uh, most guys are lucky if they have one really good friend in their lifetime. Most yeah. men tend to have one, if that. And I would say I have about a dozen men who can know everything. There are no secrets. Uh, there are no judgments. We're able to come into each other's lives. I've got here in our community, there's a strong pastor's group. And even though I'm no longer in full-time ministry, I'm still part of that group every week. Um, there is my brothers, my actual physical brothers, like blood-related brothers and I are close. My older brother is one of my best friends in the whole world. Uh, and then I have men throughout my life who have stuck with me. Uh, we mentioned earlier, we know Alan Todd. We both know Alan Todd. Uh, Alan is one of my closest friends in the whole world. We have stuck by each other through thick and thin, through all the growth and struggles that come with growing up. And that brotherhood makes a difference. And then the final thing is I teach other people. I don't keep it to myself. And in teaching others, I have found I grow. Um, I have a martial arts school in, here in Wilmington. And we've got about 70 students, give or take right now. And... Um, teaching them has made me a better martial artist. Well, the same thing's true about leadership. The more I teach leadership, the better I become because I'm not, well, I actually saw a study that says we remember like 30% of what we hear and 75% of what we do, but we remember almost 95% of what we teach. So when we're teaching other people, that locks it into our own hearts. And so I've been, I've been teaching leadership, and that really is as much for me as it is for all the guys I'm hoping to lead and help. So those are my three things, learn, brotherhood, teaching. Man, that's awesome. And, and I would just I, I would echo that for anyone who's listening. You know, I think that in order to be a great leader, in order to be a great husband, in order to be a great dad, you have to have this attitude of continuous learning. Because if you ever get to the spot where you think you know everything, then I think that's the time when you need to start burying your head in a book, into podcasts, into these different forms of learning, especially in today's world. We have all these different awesome things at our, uh, at our disposal. And I absolutely love that. The second thing that you mentioned, and I love this, is this, this brotherhood. I think too many times as men, we sit around and we kind of wait for things to happen and then we, we, we do things and we do them by ourselves. And I think that that is a massive, huge disservice. Uh, I, I know you had mentioned and that, that you're, you're a follower of Christ, but even Jesus had people that he surrounded himself with. Jim Rohn has mentioned that you're the, uh, the average of the five people that you hang out with. So putting yourself around those men that are a brotherhood that you don't keep secrets from that you can talk to everything about, you know, you had mentioned Alan Todd and, and I don't know if Alan will ever uh, hear this podcast, but oh, yes, he will. I'll make sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alan, Alan's just a, he's a phenomenal guy. He's one of those guys that uh, he's a lot of fun to, to, to talk to. Uh, he's my, uh, I helped him in, in youth ministry and, and helped him with a couple of the youth events um, and, and just a remarkable guy. And one of the things I love talking to him about was he's got three amazing kids that he has built up. He has built a foundation of Christ under them. And he has built uh, just his kids are remarkable. And that's something I, I absolutely love picking his brain about. And then the, the, the third thing that you had mentioned is, you know, teach. 
one of the things that is is awesome about the way our brains work, and I love the the statistics that you had mentioned, because if we want to learn more, if we want to become better, the best way to do that is to teach because you're going to continuously learn. You're filling up your own cup. But at the same time, when you teach, you give that, that, that information a chance to run over. And so it sticks with you better. Absolutely love that. So what are some ways that you have personally taken the lead when it comes to your marriage? And how have those steps made your marriage better? Um, so I've been married 20 years. And in those 20 years, I have uh, led well at times. And I have not led well at times. So, um, probably the biggest thing for me, again, it comes back to the same choices. So I'm part of a group called Mark Men for Christ. Um, it's a nation, actually an international organization of men who hold each other accountable. And um, another group I meet with on a re regular basis every couple of weeks, um, some more marked men. But when I went to my initial uh, weekend away with marked men, it brought out some realities in my life. Um, prior to that, I, I was involved in some Christian counseling about 20 years ago that revealed this, this thing I'm teaching to so many men now about submission re was revealed to me in my own counseling. So I went and got counseling. I got help. Uh, and, and God opened that up to me. Uh, and then the truth is I open up all I can to my wife. I apologize well. <laughs> um, practiced at it um, and then address my own brokenness. I am constantly trying to figure out how to simply be a better man. And as I become who I'm supposed to be, it's really easy to love and lead at home because um, I'm serving my family the best I can rather than trying to uh, rather than trying to dominate over them rule. I'm trying to encourage them and strengthen them. I think that's a great point. I think when a lot of men, uh, they look at this idea of leading, they don't look at leading from a submission standpoint. You know, and I, again, we, we, we brought up, uh, you know, both of us being Christians, both of us being followers of Christ. One of the greatest examples of being a leader that he did is he set an example and he submitted himself so that he could lead. And I think that's a fantastic example and then you yeah. also had mentioned being very intentional. Yeah. And then also you, you've got some, you may have some listeners who aren't Christians. Let me tell you, if you read uh, good to great, Jim Collins book, good to great. I don't know if you've read that, uh, but, and he talks about level five leaders. These are leaders who have led industries, led organizations from being good to being great. And the difference is they serve their people well, and they're, they're humble about themselves they are passionate about the vision. And, and it's so even if you don't believe Jesus is the son of God and you don't understand the power of that, which we talked about that as I, you know, like I do, the fact is we can prove this in the world. We can, we can show time and time again, how these choices actually set you free, whether, whether you believe Jesus is the son of God or not. Now, if you believe Jesus is the son of God, then you believe you have help doing this stuff. And that's the key is I'm not alone. I've got help, supernatural help. Well, I think when you take a look at, at one of the, the biggest, uh, some of the biggest leaders in history, you know, you take a look at Sam Walden, the guy who created Walmart, you know, Walmart became a, a powerhouse 
because Sam Walden believed so heavily in, in that idea of serving. Mm-hmm. And you really saw that when he was alive and, and the, the scholarships that he came up with and the, just, he was always looking for ways to serve mm-hmm. and like that, that, you know, that's what blew Walmart up. Like that's mm-hmm. why Walmart is where it's at today. Uh, and of course, you know, there's, there's other things that go into that, but you know, you look at any of the great leaders, you know, uh, the, the other, some of the other religious leaders, that you know even we respect in our faith uh you know a lot of them became great because they were servant leaders they served first and they served and that's how they led and i love that that ideology um from from any of the leaders out there from any any of the you know the great coaches any of the great uh you know people that we respect uh and i love I love that idea of, of serving first and serving in order to lead. Well, even in our own country, if you look at where the establishment of our country came, our forefathers, who we call the fathers of our nation, right? Their whole mindset was, this isn't for our life and liberty. It's for our children and our grandchildren and our future children. And when we, I mean, our this great country exists because of men like that. And we get frustrated and angry when our leaders don't do that. When they seem to be serving themselves instead of us, it, it, we know there's something in our gut that bothers us. Well, same thing's true in your home. If you're not serving, your family is, gets that thing in their gut where you're serving yourself, you're not serving them. And so that becomes uh, a real challenge for us as men. Hey, if you want to lead well, serve well. I could not agree more. You brought up your family and that, that leads me right into my next question. And that is, what are some ways that you have personally taken to lead your children's lives? How have you served them and how have those steps made your relationship with your children better? So, um, not unlike my wife, I, I apologize well, <laughs> um, cause, cause I mess up. Um, but I also, I, I pursue, I'm trying to get real good at pursuing my children's strengths. So I have four children. I had my, my last two are twins. They are born a minute apart. Oh, wow. They're nothing alike. <laughs> Not nothing. And if I serve them all exactly the same, that wouldn't work. They're all different. They all have unique strengths. They all have unique talents. They're all, um, they're all amazing but they're differently amazing. And so I have to, I have to learn to deal with each one differently. And so what I've done is I've tried to understand their strengths, their personality. I've tried to be aware of who they are, which is choice number two of your seven daily choices is awareness Uh, to be aware of who they are so that I can serve them well. Um, As they, you know, the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. And I believe that training up is a matter of, empowering and encouraging our children to be what they were created to be. And so my oldest, she is a, she is a phenomenal friend, a phenomenal leader. She loves people. She's got a tender heart, but she's very strong and strong willed. She's a first child. Um, And we have to learn to clash oftentimes and back off. Lately I've done better about clashing without losing my temper. Um, I struggle with that. I'll tell you in my first book submission, chapter six is for fathers and I hate it. 
<laughs> I hate it because I read it and I'm convicted every time I read my own words back to me. I had had my brother read them back to me once, not to me. It was to a group that we were a part of. And I was like, shut up. Because I'm, I'm, I get it. I know how to do it, but I'm, I'm not always great at it. But what my daughter has done well then, what, what's cool is um, I'm convicted that what I want with my children, my greatest desire is when they leave my house, they want to come back. Yeah. They still like us enough that they want to <laughs> come back. And I don't mean move back in. I'm not saying that. But, you know. <laughs> I have daughters. They can move back in whenever they want because they're girls. Um, their husbands aren't welcome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. My, my uh, father-in-law right now, I, I don't know if he'll, he'll listen to this episode, but in that statement, he's probably shaking his head. Yeah, yeah. husbands, not so much. Daughters, anytime they want. Yeah. Grandkids, yeah. anytime they want. Yeah, yeah. So, no, um, none of them are married yet, so I don't, I don't know. I might like the guys. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. The goal is to teach my children to be all they were made to be, not to be all I want them to be. It's about them. It's not about me. And when I make it about me, that's when I lose my temper. That's when I struggle. When I make it about them, I'm able to address them well and teach them well. And I'm not saying that when, when I say it's all about them, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm easygoing. I want my children to be strong citizens in the world. I want them to be confident. Um, I have girls. I want them to be safe, right? Um, there is some concern. You said you have three daughters. Yeah. And so, do you think about what girls yeah, face? Yeah. My four are all black belts. <laughs> you know, but stuff like that. I I train them up, and so like my oldest. Now we've got to the point. I mean, she's seventeen. She's almost an adult. She's about to leave my home. So the way I deal with her, there's a very mutual respect thing going on. Um, I don't do so well with some of the emotional stuff. Again, four teenage girls is a <laughs> lot of estrogen in my house. But my wife's good at that. My wife's good with mercy. And I let her lead in that because she's good. At, that's where her gifting is. Um, but I think my children trust me with their hearts so that when you know there's the whole fear thing that dads do with girls and and i've never done that and i don't have any intention of it because if i were going to do that the reality is i have a six degree black belt um i i can kill you with my thumb um, these things are all true but they're going to leave my house and what good does my thumb do when they leave Yep. So if I were going to scare him, it would be, no, no, I taught her to kill you with her thumb. So, um, <laughs> but, but it's more that my daughters want to trust me with the men they choose because they trust me with their hearts, not just with their direction. I'm not just a, I'm not just a guide in the sense of, of here's the rules and here's how you're supposed to do it. I'm trying to guide their hearts and lead their hearts. And even at that, um, as a Christian, my greatest goal is that they would know Christ. And my oldest two right now are doing some things that prove they're pursuing Christ on their own. It's their relationship with Jesus, not my relationship for them. That's what I want for them most of all. And, and they're doing that. And so, and I expect the younger two will as well as we release them. The other thing we've done, this is something I want to encourage other parents with other fathers. We have purposely surrounded our children 
with at least five other adults, at least, who are feeding into their lives. Um, that's just a statistical reality that we've learned about faith and about growing in, in growing children up. They need at least five adults that are not their parents who are feeding regularly into their lives. And so we've done that purposefully. Um, I've tried to find people. Uh, we have some people naturally in our lives that way, but then we've tried to find people to take them on. Um, there's one girl um, who is my one of my other great friends, Bob, he has three daughters and his youngest has taken on my oldest as little sister. And, and they're all her sisters, but she really does a lot with them. And they have really connected to disciple her, to lead her, to guide her. And I have encouraged that. And he, I even went to her and asked her to do that because that's going to help them doing this. going to look for the same person for each of my children as they reach into these teenage years, they need a safe place. They can go to share their heart, share their life and have someone speak into their life. Who's going to, they're not going to blow up my theology or my, you know, my place as the father, <laughs> yeah. but they're going to, they're going to help my children to, to become all they're supposed to be. So. Wow. There are so many great nuggets of wisdom in there. Uh, you know, I, I remember talking to Alan one time and I believe he does that same thing where he's gone and he's found people that can really build up his children and in doing that, his children have turned out, they're, they're just, they're awesome human beings. They've got a heart of gold, a heart of, to serve. And yeah, I absolutely love that, that idea that way. It's not, uh, you know, it's not just all you, but they are surrounded by other people, other peers that they can learn from and that they can take those steps of life with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love that. Another thing that I love that I heard you say is understanding your, your wife's strengths. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you're able to say, Hey, you know what? Th this isn't exactly what I'm, I'm strong and good at, but sweetie, if you could, you know, if you could take the reins in that, you know, you said, as mentioned that you're, you're not great at the, some of the emotional and, and, and stuff like that. But understanding that your wife is, 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 has a strength in this area, not only does that strengthen your, your marriage because you're bringing her in and saying, hey, hey, like th this is something you need to take care of. You're better at it. You're, you're strong in this area. But I would imagine that that also improves your own relationships with your daughters because you're not taking a weakness of yours and pushing that onto your daughters. Right. L absolutely love that. They're not forced to deal with a compassionless father. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think that's huge. Uh, you know, as men, we want to, we want to do everything. We want to be in our children's lives. We want to handle everything. We want to, you know, make sure that, you know, we're, we're the end all be all, you know, we're, you know, the, we're, we're the superhero dad that can handle anything that's thrown at us. Yeah. And one of the things I love about what you're saying is, hey, you know what? I, I'm not perfect. You know, you've mentioned that you've had to apologize to your, to your daughters, that you've had to apologize to your wife. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think as men, we don't like to admit that we're wrong. Yeah. You, we, know, you, miss, you know, we may, uh, you know, our wives married Mr. Right, Mr. I'm always right. <laughs> right. And so, and so I, I love that about what you're saying. Yeah. So, Matt, let me ask you, how often does that work for you? Uh, which thing? saying I'm always right and feeling that sense of wanting to be right. Does that work for you? 
Well, I, I'm smart enough to know that my, I, my wife's the one that's right. Yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just, uh, I, I'm uh, just learning from this thing, uh, you know, called life. And, and uh, you know, I, I love the, the, the team balancing. And, and I have to believe that that one improves your, uh, improves your marriage. But uh, again, improves your relationship with your girls. So for your audience then, Hey guys, that doesn't work. So don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they completely agree. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love that. Again, just so many good nuggets of wisdom. So that brings up a, 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 another good point. You had mentioned that you're, you're busy a lot that you, you know, you're, you're, you're a preacher over here. Or, you know, you used to be, you're writing books, you're coaching people, you're, you know, you've got your hands in so many different things. With you being so busy, how do you create time to spend with your wife and with your children? Yeah, so one word you've mentioned several times since the beginning is intentionality. I'm, I'm very intentional um, about my time. There are a couple of things that I do, a couple of practices. The first is I get up every day and I ask Jesus, okay, what are we doing today? And then try to map out one day at a time so that I stay on top of that. And then the second thing I do, uh, Carrie Newhoff, who's a Christian leadership uh, guru right now. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's got a great podcast out there called Carrie Newhoff Podcast. You can find him at uh, um, Lead Like Never Before. Uh, fantastic. Some of the greatest leaders in, in the Christian church and beyond he's, he's had. But he has a uh, um, program called High Impact Leader. And it's all about how do you manage your time? How do you do this and have impact? And it's about block scheduling. I do a block schedule. Um, there's a time in my day I do work. There's a time in my day I'm home. There's, you know, with, with my teaching and my coaching and my speaking and my writing, that all happens early in the morning. Um, I'm actually best between about 7 o'clock and noon. I can get a week's worth of work done if, I'm, if you leave me alone. Um, I do, so I do my creating then, uh, then I'm, I work a split schedule. So I go home, I take a nap almost every day, have since high school. Um, uh, and as I've gotten older and studied leadership, found that was actually a leadership practice. I didn't realize it. I just was tired at two thirty. <laughs> but, uh, sleep every day, take a nap. And then I get up and I spend a little time with my kids when they get home from school. Then I come and teach at the dojo. I'm at the dojo three nights a week. Um, and I was four nights. I cut back one night because I could and needed to. And then, um, and so I'm very intentional. So then beyond that, whenever I can, I'm at their stuff. So um, I watch their games. I celebrate their victories with them. We still have dinner together uh, five or six nights a week. We make time for that, whether, whether it's at nine o'clock at night or it's at five o'clock in the evening, which everyone works on that day. Uh, we sit together, we go through our days together, we celebrate our highs and lows. Um, then the last thing I do, and I think this is something, again, for your show and your audience in particular, they need to hear this. I take my wife out every week without the kids, without anybody else, because a great marriage, a holy marriage, makes children better. Your children will be stronger if your marriage is stronger. So I take my wife out every week, uh, typically on Friday night. We're up your way. We're up in Dayton almost every Friday <laughs> night. And uh, sometimes we'll go to Cincinnati, but typically we go Dayton way. And uh, 
we spend our Friday night together. If for some reason I'm out speaking or I'm at an event or I'm not available on Friday, then we plan Saturday. If I'm not going to be back till Sunday, then that Sunday night we leave the kids, we go. But we probably three not three weeks a year do not have a date night. We just do it every week. And that's huge for my kids. So. Um, so I'm very intentional. I'm very intentional with my time. I'm very intentional about when I do things. And then I also get behind sometimes and don't get it all done. So, but that's how I do that. Man, I absolutely love that. Again, uh, you know, I guess the, the, the word of the podcast is intentionality. Yeah. And I love that intentionality. I, I believe that that helps bring out the leader in you. If you understand what's going on, you understand your own life where you're at, where you're at personally and getting to know your wife, getting to know your wife better, getting your, to know your wife more, keeping that relationship alive and well and keeping that, you know, just a well-oiled machine uh, because of the, the team aspect, again, that you've already talked about. And then you can push those onto your children. And I don't mean push and, you know, you're pushing and cramming everything into your children. But you can also put that intentionality into your children and you can tag team. You can say, Hey, you know, sweetie, I'm, I'm a lot better in these areas. You know, let me help build up let me take out my daughters. Let me you know, do that. And Hey, let's, let's just work together. Absolutely love that. Uh, so how do you show your children that they, and you've already touched on this a little bit and saying that you get to know your, your, your children and, and a couple of the first steps that you take, but how do you show your children that they're valued and that they're important? I think this is such an essential question in today's world, especially men, us men that, you know, we're raising daughters in today's society, in today's age. How do you show your daughters that they have value and that they're important? First of all, you got to listen. We're so good at talking. We're so good at fixing. Listen. Um, so I try to listen. Um, I help where I'm asked. Sometimes I help where I'm not asked, but I, I try to help where I'm asked. Um, and then my, I feel my job is to celebrate who they are. Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate who they are. Um, celebrate their victories. Um, there are plenty of people in my children's life willing to tell them what's wrong with them. Um, the unfortunately middle school hasn't changed uh girls are still mean to each other and boys are stupid um and so my girls have plenty of people telling them what's wrong so my job then is to celebrate what's right and there's so much right with my kids my i mean it, they make it easy let's be clear i have amazing kids um and i'm not just saying that other people say that but but i need to celebrate that um and the more i feel the more i celebrate what's right about them that's going to help them in the long run. And when they struggle with self-image issues, I take that on. That's, that's my problem. That's not their problem. It's my problem. So I need to build them up. And so I celebrate my children a lot, uh, especially with girls. I think that that's so important. And then, then the other thing, and we've already touched on this and don't have to go into it again, but I've got to be the best I can be. I've got to be the best me so that they see that, uh, they love that. They want that for themselves because as they get older, they're going to be looking for a guy. And as much as we don't want to be our parents, we fall in love with our parents and we are our parents 
and we have to work and, and recognizing they're going to model the man they choose after me, which is scared, just terrifying because I know what's broken. But hopefully enough is not broken. <laughs> hopefully I do enough and I continue to show them uh, the best I can be. And God helps me do that so that they become the best and they choose the best for themselves. They, they discover that. And then finally, I, I mentioned, I, I set them free to discover as they've gotten older, we've just slowly released them. You know, the conversation with my oldest, I think we had last summer. So she'd gotten her license and she was driving and she had jobs and, uh, she kept calling every, you know, every night she'd call and say, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? And, and I'm great with that. I said, honey, you don't have to stop calling us. That's comforting to your mom. It makes it easier on me. But if you're home by 10 o'clock, I'm going to trust you. Um, my, she makes good judgment. She has good judgment. She makes good decisions. She doesn't do dumb things. In fact, she avoids dumb people for the most part. <laughs> Um, she's just smart. She's a smart kid. So I don't need you to check in with me. Uh, midnight on weekends, 10 o'clock on weeknights. If you're home, I'm going to trust you're not out there doing something crazy. Well, by her own judgment, she still calls, but that's her choice. It's her decision. And by giving her that freedom and that honor as a human being to make choices for herself, uh, I think that that helps her to grow into the kind of person that uh, will make a huge difference in the world. And I'll do the same with all the other kids as they reach certain ages. Um, the dating thing has always been an issue. Um, of course we joked when they were kids, they can date when they're 32 and married. Um, that's not reality. And I understand that. I, I have some friends who I dearly love, but they have told their boys they can't even like someone till they're, 18 or out of the house. I'm oh, like, wow. how do you stop them from liking? <laughs> I don't know how you control. That's an uncontrollable deal. And I know that's true with my kids. Right. So I just encourage them. Um, I don't want them to experience heartache. They will. They're girls and they have, <laughs> I don't want that for them, you know, but dances are happening and <laughs> dresses are happening and they're growing up and these things happen and they have, desires and expectations that aren't being met and and it breaks my heart but they'll get over it they'll live through it they'll survive it if i love them and i continue to celebrate them they'll survive it and they really only need to meet the one guy right speaking of which i probably shouldn't say that on a broadcast but i would love <laughs> david todd and my oldest to meet but anyway <laughs> Well, we would definitely make sure that Alan. <laughs> well, I told Alan. I said, hey, I, Alan, I know. <laughs> We're on it. Uh, that is awesome. Well, yeah, that brings up another really important question. Your girls are well-mannered. They're good girls, and, and, and they're, they, you know, they understand their own value at this older age. But how did you and your wife instill that value and that they're important in a young age, that way, as they got older, they kept those strengths and that celebration of life and what they're good at. Uh, like, what, how did you get you and your wife pour into your younger children, your younger girls, so that they could be upstanding citizens today? There's one word, time. 
you have to give them time. Um, all the words don't matter without your presence. All the gifts don't matter without your presence. All the ideas and ideals don't matter without your presence. So when they were very young, I mean, even before they could speak, we began reading to them every night. Uh, we would spend hours. In fact, as they got older and could choose the books for themselves, I don't know if you're experiencing this, but they choose the same book <laughs> yep. every night. But I've written two children's books as well that came out of me not wanting to read those books. And so I <laughs> did something else. And so I have two children's books out that are, that are just from that, my time with my kids. I'm laying with them in bed and we're reading books. And, and instead of just doing that, I would make something up or I would, yeah, I would just create something with them. But that time with them, time together. Um, we used to do uh, daddy-daughter dates. They have gotten too busy for that. <laughs> I would love to say it's me. It's not me. Um, we've kept good, strong boundaries in our home. Um, we've tried to teach boundaries. Now, saying that, as they get older, those boundaries loosen. Um, but things like uh, when it comes to extracurricular activities, they could do one. You know, get to do 14 things. We're not chasing you all over creation. You got to pick one. And then we would encourage them to do that in a place they're gifted. Um, I've got a gymnast. I've got a ball player. I've got a singer performer. Um, I've got one that can do anything, but we make her choose. Um, so, so with all of that, that we've just sort of made them kind of focus their lives on, you got to pick one. And, interestingly what that's helped us see is what they're going to pick because they get to pick. I mean, they make it every year they get to choose again and they're discovering for themselves what they really love, what they really care about stuff. They're passionate about when they, when you have to choose between playing soccer or getting piano lessons and you get piano lessons, you're making a choice. And, and when you, or you choose soccer as the other one would, right? They're, my middle two are nothing. I mean, they just, <laughs> but that's what you see. That's what, that's what happens. And so we've allowed them, but we've restricted it too. You only get one. And part of that's for them. Part of that's for us. I mean, they're four parents chasing them all <laughs> over the place. Right. Um, again, we try to go to their things. My wife is very good about showing up for everything. And then I talk about celebrating my kids. My wife is the best at celebrating everything. I don't think there's a date that's special on our calendar that she doesn't celebrate um, their baptisms, uh, their birthdays, our anniversary, the anniversary of our engagement, the anniversary when we started dating. The, I mean, <laughs> she, she celebrates everything, which is a very godly thing to do. God celebrates a lot. And so my wife celebrates a lot and that's a big deal for our kids. And we've done that their whole lives. We've always celebrated them and who they are and given them our time. We show up, I show up, as often as I can, I'm there. Um, if I don't show up, it is also intentional. This thing that the world is making a big deal is not a big deal, right? Sometimes at school, I noticed at school right now, we have a success assembly. I'm doing air quotes uh, every six weeks. No, no. You know, at the end of the year, you got good grades. And my kids, again, they're all good grades. None of them have trouble in school. Um, that's fantastic. That's easy. You graduate, we'll be there. When you move to a new level, we'll be there. But 
not every six weeks. Now my <laughs> wife shows up. No. Because <laughs> it's not as important as they're making it. So that's where I'm at. Oh, I think that understanding that certain successes should be celebrated makes those successes more special. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to the heart when, you know, if your dad shows up to every every little thing, every little small celebration, then it makes those times that he shows up a little less special. And so I think that, you know, I, I would have to agree with you. And again, not having kids that are teenagers, but that makes the times that you do show up very intentional, very special, very meaningful. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I would definitely uh, agree with that, that thought process. Yeah. So what do you think has been your biggest struggle in being a good husband and a good dad? So I have defined my life with a mission. My mission is to, um, share the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ to help men become all they're supposed to be. But I also have an anti-mission that I lived under for a long time and I still struggle against, and that is to change lives through the truth of Jesus Christ. And the difference is, in the anti-mission, it's my responsibility for people to change. And as a teacher, as an instructor, as a person who's always, that's my gifting. If you don't change, I have no value. And so it just drives me crazy. (laughs) If my job is simply to teach and instruct and to offer the truth and change is between you and God, change isn't my responsibility. Um, Change is something that happens over time. Change is something that God does and you decide and you get that honor as a human being to make your own choices. Then I don't get angry when you don't change or if you don't listen. But in my family where my, I, and I, I've struggled with anger. I, I joke. In fact, I said this in, in submission in that chapter six. Um, I said, to paraphrase one of my favorite movies, anger is strong in my family. I have it. My father has it. And now you have it too. Um, <laughs> and, and trying not to be angry, trying to deal with that anger, but discovering where the source of that anger is. It's that I don't feel valued when my children don't change. Well, my job is not to change my children. My job is to train my children and let God change them and let them discover change and let them become who they're supposed to be. And the truth is when I do that, I'm much more loving, I'm much more kind, and they change more quickly. It's actually a better way to do it. Um, but, you know, I, I struggle with anger. Um, I think most men do, but I think it comes from this, it all comes back to the same thing. Something makes you feel disrespected, devalued, dishonored. And when we feel that sense of dishonor, we respond accordingly. For me specifically, because of who I am, when I teach people and I teach my children and they don't listen, or I feel like they're not listening, it just is so hard for me. And so what I've had to do is I've had to learn, my job is not to change them, my job is to teach them. They will change. And and the truth is, as I've told you, they're great kids. And when I keep that in perspective in that moment, when we had a moment, my oldest and I had a moment about three weeks ago where I did not, it was one of those where I did not get angry. They don't, they're getting less. I get angry less and less, which is good for me, bad for her because she's the oldest. So the younger (laughs) kids have it easier. She's broken me in, but, um, 
I was able to tell her right now, I feel very disrespected by you. And so I need you to stop and we'll come back to this when, when we can talk in a way that, that I'm not feeling that, but that's on me. I'm not putting that on her. I know this is my problem. I know. And as I reckon, whenever I recognize that I do well, whenever I recognize I'm not mad because of something in my children, I'm mad because of something in me, something going on in me, then I do well, but I don't always and I just don't, I just admit, I don't always recognize it. And so that's where I have to go back and learn to apologize and apologize well. <laughs> I think you brought up a, a great point as far as communication and that's with our spouses or with our children is understand these I statements versus we, or I statements versus you statements. You understood that you were getting angry and that you weren't in a great mindset right there. And so you told your daughter, as I understand it, and if I'm wrong, you know, please tell me. Yeah, sweetie, I I am am not in a great place right now. Let's come back to this. Where I think a lot of men, a lot of people, and I, I know I'm guilty of it, is something that I'm working through as well. Sweetie, you shouldn't be doing this. It, it's you know, you should be more responsible and and, and stuff. It's that, and I love that the the I versus you statements. It's understanding your own uh, mentality. So you said that you had a, you know, you used to have a bigger temper. You used to fly off the handle a little bit. How did you get through that struggle? Oh, I'm not through it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm better. I'm better. Um, and, and the way I do it is, is again, this is, this is a, we go back to how do you become a good leader? Brotherhood has been a huge thing. Um, couple of my brothers, one in particular here locally, um, when we talk and I share with him what I'm frustrated about, he almost always turns it back on me. It's part of why I love him, part of why I want to punch him. <laughs> He's a student, so I get to punch him. Um, but, but, uh, but brotherhood, brothers call me back to my, to my senses. Um, the Holy Spirit uh, teaches me that. But it is a practice. It, again, this is a daily thing. Don't when I say I'm not over it. This is a daily thing. We we are so quick to look at addicts and say one moment at a time, one you know, one one minute at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time. Well, it, that's true for all of us in our brokenness when we're trying to overcome it. it. It is not a done deal. We have an enemy who is trying to tear us down. We have an enemy who tries to lie to us. Not tries. That's his one gift. He lies to us uh, between the words in our children's mouths or our wife, our spouse's mouth. Those words between their mouth and our ear get twisted and our own emotions get generated by lies that are being told to us. And we've got to learn to not believe those lies. Well, the only way to learn that is to come back to it and practice, practice, practice. And I've gotten better. I'm better at taking a breath and stepping back at, at recognizing when I'm upset in me, this is this, if I'm upset, it's something in me, it's not in you recognizing that. Um, but, I, but I still boil over. I still have that. The, the key, I think the best key that I've learned is because I'm regularly with men now, I empty my cup of stuff more often so it can be filled up with good stuff. So when I dump out, what pours out on our family is the excess of what's ever going on in our heart. So if I can empty my 
bad stuff out of my heart and I can fill up with good stuff, then it's going to dump good stuff out of my family and it gets better. That's, that's the biggest thing. And again, marked men for Christ. Uh, that group has made the hugest difference in getting my cup empty. Every couple of weeks I get to dump my cup out. If it's filling up and I feel that sense, I can dump my cup out. And then I have a couple guys here close. If something happens in between who I can just go, I'm just, I'm just a horrible human being right now. And here's what's going on and dump my cup out with them. And then they fill up with the Holy spirit, fill up with good stuff. I go home and love on my family. My family doesn't have to deal with all that garbage because I'm dealing with it, pouring it out in front of the Lord with men helping me do that. So that's awesome. Just again, some great nuggets of wisdom, getting that brotherhood together, getting that group of guys together that you can do life with that. You can, that you can, as you said, dump your cup out, dump that negativity out. That way it can be filled back up with positivity and, and with, with some really good stuff. That way you can take that to your family. Absolutely love that. So what advice would you give to men who are wanting to be a better husband? Uh, I think we said it. Become a better you. It, it, when you are your best self, now some of this is, is my belief, um, and so I'm going to let that play out here, but, but I, I think this will work with anybody. Your spouse, your children become them, their best selves um, because I think you're made for each other. You know, and I'm not saying that I necessarily believe there's one perfect man and one perfect woman. <laughs> but if you've married, you've decided you're for each other and you, you're going to be together. And there's probably something in that where you were kind of made for each other if you will choose this together. But if I become my best self, then my wife becomes her best self. So I've got to keep working to become my best self. I can't change my wife. I can't fix my wife. I can't fix my children. I can lead my wife. I can lead my children if I'm my best self. Now, so what that means is I've got to take time for myself to become my best self. We talk about uh, character and integrity uh, is the, is the uh, fifth choice that you have to make daily is integrity. And that's about character, consistency. Um, now I'm blank right here when I need it. Uh, oh, it's about... Um, Consistency. Oh, clarity. Clarity, consistency, character. That's how it goes. And character is who we are when no one's looking. And what I say about character is character is formed in the prayer closet. And then it's forged in the public square. In other words, you need to spend time with yourself. Um, and if you believe in God with your God, determining who your best self is. And then you go practice it in the public square. And as you fail, you go back to your prayer closet and reform. But as you succeed, it hardens and it's forged. And the fire of, of struggle and life and, and all that happens in a day is what forges character. But it's formed when we're alone, when we're by ourselves. So, so as, a, as a, you see a guy, a sword maker is what always comes to mind for me. You know, they stick that that metal in the heat then they pull it out to form it it's it's outside of the heat that it gets formed and then they put it back in harden it and to make it what it needs to be and then you form it again and then you and and, and there's this constant back and forth and then there comes a point where you cool that metal because it's formed to what it needs to be and you move on to another piece of metal and so in our lives it's the same thing we 
we spend time in in with ourself being formed, hammering things out, but then we go back in the heat and we 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 make ourselves ready for more forming and then we pull back out and we form and then we go back and eat. Then you see Jesus do this. You know, he would, he would spend time with people. He would share, he would give himself, he would share, give of himself. He would, he would minister, he would teach. He would, then he would pull away. Yeah. Then he would go back. Then he would pull away. And, and that it's that constant back and forth, care for yourself, become your best self, practice that. And when there's brokenness, go back and into your prayer closet, reform, come back out so and by your prayer closet i don't always mean you have to be alone you can do that with other people but into a private place so it's awesome so what advice would you give the men on how to become a better dad same thing uh become your best you um but also when it comes to becoming a better dad know your children know who they are discover because they're all unique none of them are the same the same DNA goes into them, but a whole different mess of stuff comes out. Um, <laughs> so know your children. Understand who they are. Discover who they are. Instead of trying to form them into who you want them to be, help them become who they're made to be and they're created. Love that. Uh, so last couple of questions here. Uh, what are some of your – what are some of the best resources that you could recommend uh, for men who, who want to be, you know, a better leader, a, a better spouse, a better dad. So um, there's a book called Submission by Dad. No, um, we'll talk about those <laughs> in a minute. Uh, no, there's uh, a couple of things. So, so first of all, best husband, uh, resource-wise, to become a better husband. My suggestion is there's a, there's a couple, and if you haven't ever heard of them, Les and Leslie Parrott, uh, they have a group. Uh, or an online program called uh, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. But they also then have a connection to those who've been married for a long time. Uh, Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. Learn them, know them, look at them backwards and forwards. And then I would say one of the other ways to become a great husband is uh, not only know your spouse's love language or, or your own love language, but know your spouse's love language and learn to speak it. And then also whatever personality assessment you're good with disc Myers Briggs, um, uh, Enneagram, you know, all those pick one. I don't care. Know your spouse, make it your goal to know them and know, know your spouse. Well, know your wife. Well, know who she is so that you understand her needs. So you can spend your life meeting her needs. As you do that, you'll find she meets your needs a lot better. She's a lot more. She's going to do a lot more for you if you do that for her, but make her the priority. And then for dads, same thing. Learn your children. Um, there is a five love languages of children. It's not that different, um, but learning them, know your children, understand their strengths, understand what, who they are so you can encourage them. Yeah, definitely. I absolutely love that. Uh, so wrapping up here, what is the best way for people to come in contact with you? If I've, if you've said something that resonates with people and they want to get a hold of you or ask any questions, what's the best way for people to connect with you? What's the best way for people to reach you? Yeah. So Dow Tippett, uh, that's spelled D O W just like Jones industrial, uh, is going to get you to me, but also seven daily choices with the number seven, uh, seven daily will get you to me. 
uh, Seven Daily Choices on Facebook, Dow Tippett on Facebook. I think I'm Pastor Dow on Instagram right now. Um, I'm not a pastor anymore, but you know, that's, that is what it is. Uh, and then, um, also if somebody's interested in the karate program, the way karate.org is our website. So a couple of websites there, you can find my books online. Uh, if you do look up the book that's out submission, please use my name. Uh, because if you look up just submission in Amazon, you're going to get a whole lot of stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus or a good thing. So use my name along with the title submission and uh, that'll come up and it's available for you. So, but seven daily choices, probably the easiest way to number seven and then dailychoices.com is probably the easiest to remember. That's awesome. Well, now thank you so much for being on the wrestling with fatherhood podcast. Uh, you've given my the listeners and myself a lot of great nuggets to chew on. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Dow, check out his website, DowTippet.com. That's D-O-W-I-T-P-P-E-T-T.com. Uh, and if you'd like to learn a little bit more about what Wrestling with Fatherhood is all about, please check out our website at www.fatherhood.com. Again, that's www.fatherhood.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys all have a great day. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 